Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back for another OG Show Live. Mr. Randall, how you doing? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Real Down. Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for News. Hi, boys and girls. Welcome to, once again, the Bass Guy. Oh, brother. This is the final cast. Another segment of uh, Chasing the Tide, your saltwater connection on the Paladin. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of Feather and Fur, your host. Welcome back to the Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Hey, welcome back to Off the Water. This is here with Adventures of Outdoor Woman Podcast. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Rusty Hook Kayak Fishing Podcast. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, go to eastport.info. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. Um, flying solo tonight, I'm your host Sean. Uh, Susie is at a family gathering tonight and couldn't join us uh, for tonight's show, uh, but she should be back next week. So uh, tonight you're going to have to listen to me, And but I thank you guys again for tuning in and uh, joining in. We have a cool guest, uh, another uh, guy that's somewhat local to me. Um, but uh, he's also uh, a YouTuber and has a lot of online content that's really great. So we'll definitely uh, uh, want to, you know, talk to him about that. And um, I, I, I'm curious to kind of pick his brain a little bit about, um, you know, some of the local waters that he fishes that uh, I, I fish. And he seems to do uh, a lot better than I do on some of those waters. So I'm curious to kind of see what his tactics are and, um, you know, see what we can uh, can learn from him. But um, before we get into all that, I'd like to just bring him in and uh, introduce him to you all. So, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, this is uh, the folks from Bassin' Up Moffat. How's it going, man? What's going on? Not bad. How are, uh, how's everything going this evening? Yeah, can't complain. Pretty good. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. So, um, I guess uh, we'll start with just the easy stuff. You know, uh, why don't you let the folks know who you're, who you are, where you're from, and uh, kind of we'll we'll find a little bit about uh kind of your your fishing history so uh, my name's hunter moffitt i have bassin up moffitt youtube channel i uh, do a lot of fishing around here um around hanover pennsylvania area i guess you could say in southeastern pennsylvania um i got started fishing when i was real young grew up trout fishing so it's kind of funny i'm into bass fishing as much as i am now but pretty much fish as much as i can get out at least two three times a week so and i notice uh you fish a lot with your dad uh it seems right and uh was he mm -hmm. kind of the one who got you into fishing or was uh kind of just always been you know fishing in your family kind of yeah he's he's the one who got me into it and then i guess you could say once i hit about middle school my one buddy was like hey let's go bass fishing because we always went trout fishing and he was watching like bass masters and stuff so First couple bass I caught, I was hooked after that, and it's been history ever since. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, bass are definitely a different kind of beast than uh, trout are. Trout are cool too, uh, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, but uh, I definitely, once I switch, uh, kind of focus primarily on bass fishing, I never looked back. I, I still do trout fish and enjoy it, but my heart is definitely in bass fishing, so for sure. 
same here. It's just the different types of lures and everything that you can do and how different they react different times of the years to different stuff. It's fascinating as heck. And I feel like trout fishing is generally mostly the same kind of stuff that you're doing successful on most of the time. And I mean, yes, they're smart sometimes, but they're also kind of dumb. <laughs> and uh, they're super fragile too. You know, you can, yes. you not that you want to mistreat bass, but you can, you know, be a little, you know, they're, they're definitely more, more hardy than ba- a trout. Like I feel like, a trout you have in your hands for any length of time and they're struggling to swim away. But whereas uh, a trout, you can, you know, you know, fight them for five minutes, you know, and you go to lay them on your, you know, measuring board and they're flopping like crazy, fighting like crazy, just anything they can do to get back in the water. So, you know, definitely uh, more, a little bit more of a fighting fish, I think, than a trout is. So, mm-hmm. but cool. So, um, and have you always um, been like fishing from the uh, boat or uh, started out on the shore or, How'd that, how'd that progression go for you? So I started mostly fishing from the shore uh, all through middle school. And I guess you could say beginning of high school until I could drive. I was almost always from the shore. And especially during the summer when I didn't have anything better to do, I took time and walked the shores of the lake. Like that is all I would do. Me and my buddy would go out there probably like six in the morning and stay out there till like five, six at night at least sometimes even out till dark. Gotcha. Yeah. That's, uh, that's one nice thing about the summertime is it does stay dark a heck of a lot later. This is driving me nuts. This stuff getting dark at five o'clock, but yeah, don't leave much time to do stuff after work. It it really doesn't. It really doesn't. So, but uh, yeah. So, and um, I was kind of curious what, what got you started with YouTube and like where, what, what led you to, to start your YouTube channel? So I guess, it could, it was, uh, I had so many people around this area asking me what I do out on Marburg and a lot of the local lakes, like you said, that everybody struggles at and how I get all the big fish that I do. And then I got into watching a lot of these other guys on YouTube. I was like, you know, what? I could do that. I, I can, I can catch the fish to create that kind of content. Why don't I try? I can do it just as good as most of these guys. So I figured why not try it and see what happens. And I, I can say just, you know, I've been following your channel for a while and um, I can really see your some of the changes that you've made just in the way you you put your your uh, your uh, videos together and stuff. It, it really has, you know, you're definitely stepping your game up there, too. So can, uh, props to you for doing that because your content just keeps getting better and better. So I think you're doing a good job there, too. I appreciate that. And I, I enjoy watching you and your dad go back and forth too. So like <laughs> when you, when you both sit down at the desk and go through the lures and stuff, it's, it's kind of cool to see you guys uh, kind of feed off each other. And um, it's really good, good stuff. So. Thank you. Yeah. So um, one of the, well, one of the main reasons why I started following your channel um, mostly is because, you know, you fish a lot of the waters that I do. Um, and uh, just watching you, um, like every tournament that I've been on, on Marburg, I've done horrible. And, uh, <laughs> almost to the point, like I know for the kayak anglers of central PA, we're always like, Oh, should we go back to Marburg this year? And everybody's like, <laughs> uh, Marburg, you know, it's, it's definitely a place where some, some, a lot of us struggle. So, um, you know, and to see the success that you have there somewhat regularly. And I just, like I said, I watched a video you did on muddy run. Um, I started to have a little more success there this year than I had in the past years, but it's still not an easy lake for me to fish. Um, that's a very interesting uh, fishery just because of how deep it gets in the middle compared to the, you know, it, it can go from, you know, just a few feet deep to like 60 feet, you know, not, not going far off the bank. So it's definitely a, a, a different place to fish for sure. So I was kind of curious, um, where you uh where you got your start on fishing some of these tough fisheries and like how you figured it out like what what strategies you did and how you figured out it was just trial and error or you know uh, you you kind of just worked through uh start one area start shallow work deep or what was your strategies so it's especially on like marburg it's it's almost different all the time um i guess where I started, if, if you want to go what to, to what I actually started doing, on I guess you could say it broke it down over a couple of years. 
I started fishing shallow a lot and did okay here and there. And that was when the lake had a lot more grass recently. It hasn't had as much grass as what it used to. And then um, progressively started fishing deeper and deeper. At first I couldn't, I didn't have no confidence in fishing deep with anything other than a jig or something that had almost constant bottom contact. Okay. And more so lately, especially with there not being any grass out there, I've been fishing deeper and deeper. Like generally I'm fishing around 25, 30 foot most of the time. Okay. Um, all throughout the summer and even now, which now the bites kind of died off a little bit for me, but fishing's got a lot tougher since it's got colder too. Right. Which is, is, I think that's pretty much true in general across the board. Um, even the river fishing on the river for me right now has really slowed down. Um, it seemed like the fall, the fall bite kind of dried up quick. Like it was on and then it was off for me anyway, but. Yeah. It seemed like it almost started early this year too. I, yeah, I kind of experienced that same thing last year. I felt like I was crushing it way further into the, into the fall than this year. Um, it like, I, I know on the river, my, uh, my crank bite, uh, bite or my, uh, lipless crank, uh, last year I crushed it on it kind of well in like into November, I felt like I was still doing pretty good with that. And then this year it wasn't even early October. And I kind of felt like I started losing the, the lipless bite and had to go to more, uh, kind of subtle tactics. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, it was in the beginning of September, I think, or towards the middle of September on Marburg, I was really doing good with Alabama rig and it was 72 degree water. That's not typically the time period i'll throw that but the bait was really schooled up like it typically does more towards i guess you could say that fall transition time Mm -hmm. and i guess it was just because it got a little bit colder than it did maybe before but that fall bite turned on for the that bama rig i guess you could say then and it was freaking nuts there for like a couple times out and then after that it like completely died off (laughs) Now, and uh, I was, I was going to, the Alabama rig was going to be one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because uh, I did notice in a lot of your kind of later videos, the last couple, um, that was kind of a staple of your arsenal, it seemed. And um, I know uh, I'm going to have a guest on here maybe in two weeks that uh, it's going to be an entire episode just on the A-Rig, but uh, I wanted to at least kind of get a primer from you, if you don't mind about kind of how you throw it and, 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 um, how much do you use like electronics to locate bait and stuff? Or or is it more just, you know, knowing the area and kind of, uh, uh, kind of working it that way? It's, it's a little of both. So like, I'm sure you've noticed from the videos, a lot of times out of Marburg, I'll fish like the bridges and a lot of the riprap around the bridges. So that's, that's semi a spot that I always know that there's holding fish, but I also, I'm really looking at my fish finder and trying to find where like the key parts of the schools are, if there's a school around it. And I noticed I do a lot better if the bait's really schooled up around the bridges. There's usually at least one or two, I guess you could say around the pylons and stuff most of the time, but there's usually bigger numbers there when the bait's really, really there. And that's just kind of hit or miss whether you happen to be there when the bait is there. Yeah, exactly at least when i do really good it's when the bait's always there gotcha gotcha and i know that's one of the tough things i imagine about putting your videos up from marburg because there isn't a lot of bridges on marburg so pretty much if somebody watches that video they're gonna know where you're catching them yep absolutely and if if you've been on the lake like even a handful of times it's very easy to tell so yeah like that can get a little frustrating sometimes but but um, oh, wow. I'll say, you know, knowing that that's where I've seen you catch fish, I've gone to those bridge pilings and not caught <laughs> fish. So you got to know what you're doing somewhat too, I believe. But uh, so um, I was curious with the A-Rig, like, um, it, it, you know, is that more of a cast out, let it sink, retrieve it back? Or are you putting pops in there? What's your, your go-to technique with the A-Rig? So I'll do a couple different things. It all depends on how deep I'm fishing with it. Um, if I'm fishing deeper water, um, I guess you could say I'm calling deeper water, like anything 15 foot and, and deeper, mm-hmm. um, I'll typically weight it differently. 
Okay. And um, my two bottom heads, I'll put on like either eighth or quarter ounces. And then all my top ones are either sixth or eighths then, depending on which I'd put it to bottom. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. Okay. And do you have a, a rig that you like or uh, that that's your go-to a rig? Uh, I would say I use the umbrella rig the most, not really for performance, but just the fact that it's one of the cheaper ones. And uh, I always go to the flash mob because it's got the blades. I feel like the blades make a huge difference. I was going to ask about that because I've I've thrown um, the umbrella rig with blades more. Um, most of the ones that I have do have blades, and I was curious if I was missing something. If maybe I should try one without blades, or or you know whether that's a better draw or not. I was curious what your thoughts on that were. Yeah, I think I really think the blades help a lot. It's a bigger draw, it gives them something else to key into, just other than the swim baits. They say right. the, the ones without the blades are good if, like, the fish are finicky or aren't really hitting that. But to be honest, I have not caught a single fish off of one without the blades yet, like ever. Interesting. Interesting. And I've, hmm. I've tried it probably just as much. Okay. Um, now, lately, I guess you, in the last year I haven't. Maybe since more people are throwing it a lot more now. Maybe that'd be something to get into trying, but just haven't yet. And uh, do you have a go-to uh, swim bait that you throw on those, or uh, do you mix it up at all? Uh, a little bit of everything. I I use a lot of, like, the 3.3 three to 3.8-inch size, like Kytex, or I'll throw, like, the Guggen Saucy Swimmer on there sometimes, too. And um, the Zoom Swim and Super Flukes are another favorite. I Okay. Uh, the, that's the super flukes with the tails on them, I guess, or the paddle tail. Yeah, right? the, the swimming super fluke, yep. Okay. Okay. Um, and um, any other baits that, like, right now that you're you're going to? I know uh, I saw, uh, I guess, on the, the well, I'm drawing a blank, the uh, Muddy Rum one, you had a, a uh, looked like a spinner bait, like a white spinner mm -hmm. bait. Yep, and, that, uh, that's another go-to. That's another go-to for me all the time. I. I love throwing a spinner bait. Um, I've caught a lot of big fish all times of the year on that. And it seems my go-to with that, it's always a big one ounce. It I was going to ask. But like even in, some people will say, well, I could, why are you fishing a one ounce spinner bait in like 10 foot of water? You're hitting the bottom in like a second. And well, it works. It works for you. Yeah. Um, now I think I, it's I, the bigger blade to be honest. Gotcha. It has like a size four, size five blade. Okay. And I think that that extra flash might just get them with that smaller kind of profile. 
and you seem like uh slow slow rolling that close to the bottom is what you're shooting for yeah i i i pretty much bottom drag that and if there's a rocks and stuff i'll kind of pop it through them and feather it around as much as i can gotcha gotcha okay um anything else that you're you're kind of throwing more right now uh that the water is getting colder uh jerk bait some too i haven't got on a good bite for that as well but that's another thing that typically does really good for me this time of year um, okay even single swim bait too okay and um, do you switch it up uh, or your tactics when you go like out on the river versus the lakes or you still kind of throw in mostly the same thing? For, for the most part, the same stuff. I will f- switch it up a little bit too here and there. Um, sometimes on the river, I like, especially this time of year, those flat-sided crankbaits. Oh, yeah. Um, especially since the river's so much shallower. Um, they do really good for me. And even sometimes I'll throw the Ned up there or the tube if they're really not biting nothing and it's going real slow, it seems like tube or Ned is always the easy go-to. Yep. I was going to say that I, uh, you know, the uh, listeners to my show will definitely know that when the, when the fishing really gets tough on the river, Ned rig is my go-to. Um, it's pretty much, you know, if nothing else will work nine times out of 10, I'll be able to get something, uh, at least something to bite on the Ned rig. So yeah, they're like, they can almost not resist that. It's like smallmouth candy. Yep. Yep. I think one of our other hosts called it the Dorito bite. He always said that, you know, uh, you know, if somebody holds a Dorito in front of your face, even if you're not hungry, eventually you're just going to eat the Dorito. And that, I think the Ned Rig, uh, that's a perfect description of what the Ned Rig is. Cause eventually, you know, they're just going to be like, all right, you know, might as well, it's a tiny little thing. I'll just slurp it quick and, you know, get it out of the way. And, you know, then you got them. So, but, um, yeah. So, um, and how late into the uh, winter will you fish? Uh, do you do you pack it up at any time, or do you just keep going out there? I I will hit it all year long as long as um, it's not frozen, right? There, that's, yeah, as long that's as kind of no when, that's kind of when I draw the line. And even um, I have one or two spots that are like warm water, like discharges that don't really freeze. So even into like the winter when mostly everything else is frozen, that usually isn't. So I'll go up there too. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, definitely, uh, I'll have to, I know I've frozen my butt off at Redmond <laughs> many a times, uh, broke through ice to get out of the ramp there. Now, right now you can't even, uh, you know, get out of the ramp unless I usually go off the one other bank. Cause, uh, with the kayak, I can go in wherever I want really. But, uh, but yeah, I've definitely had to crunch ice out at Redmond to get out before. So, um, I know uh, a lot of times is uh, is it friendly competition with your dad to see who catches the most fish or uh, do you pretty much is it is there days where he definitely does better than you or is it mostly uh, you uh, smoking him and he's just kind of you know how's that work? It, it, that's a little of both. Uh, we'll kind of feed off of each other and so, sometimes I don't show it in the videos because we really get on each other pretty hard sometimes. <laughs> but. Uh, uh, there's days where he'll absolutely destroy me, and then I'm getting irritated as heck because he's just ripping them in left and right, especially towards the spring. I had a, one or two videos where he absolutely destroyed me, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? You're off the back of the boat right now, schooling me. I'm throwing the same dang thing as you, and I haven't even gotten a bite. Isn't that funny how be days you know, when I do the same, right? How you both people on both the front and the back of the boat can be throwing the exact same thing. And yet one person's just slaying them and the other person is struggling. I've definitely been there uh, on my father-in-law's boat quite a bit. And uh, now on, on the kayak, I'm usually flying solo. So I'm only kind of fighting against myself for the most part. But um, you know, the few times that I have got to, you know, kind of, yeah, especially there's times when I go kayaking out with other guys and, you know, I could be fishing right next to them, uh, throwing the same thing. And, uh, you know, it, uh, definitely is funny how sometimes it works like that, but, uh, I, I was curious how, how that works. And, uh, I would, I could see where it would get competitive relatively easily if you're constantly fishing with the same person oh, uh, yeah. on a pretty regular basis. But I think it's also very cool that I'm sure that brings you guys closer and, you know, always having knowing you have somebody that you, uh, you can go out and hit the water with. It's gotta be a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool experience. Absolutely. And especially like videos aspect wise, 
of doing it. I mean, even not for the whole YouTube thing, it's at least something that I have to look back on forever with him. Oh, absolutely. And, and, uh, like I said, at the beginning of the show, like the, the different, um, lore breakdowns you've done where you, you both kind of sit and, and go over the different baits and lures that you use. Um, I, I really enjoy those cause you can tell just the way you guys work together that it, it just flows and it, it's really cool to see that. So. That's good. <laughs> so, um, I'm trying to think of, um, uh, some of the other things, um, have you ever kayak fished before? I was going to ask you that. Yep. I, uh, I have a, I wish I had a pedal drive, but I just have a, uh, perception outlaw. Okay. And, uh, I go around in a little bit different areas with that and I've hit the river once or twice with it. And, um, a couple of lakes upstate that are like trolling motor only, mm-hmm. but uh, I just got that last year. So I haven't been too, too many places yet been a couple of times on these uh, smaller creeks like the monocracy river in mm-hmm. uh, maryland mm-hmm. with it but uh it's it's definitely a big difference from a regular boat to that the the whole leverage thing was a lot of getting used to you use so yeah much when, when the in a kayak. when the whole boat moves when you set the hook it makes a it makes a difference for sure so oh yeah but even um, just uh, working lures, I'm sure, is different from, you know, because a lot of times you're standing on a boat deck versus sitting in a kayak. Now, I you know, I do stand in my kayak for some of the uh, retrieves I do. But, you know, if it's choppy at all, I tend not to stand. And, you know, <laughs> so even I mean, I'm just thinking off the top of my head of like working a jerkbait is is completely different when you're se- seated versus when you're standing. Um, you know, I can think of a lot of different retrieves that just don't work anywhere near the same when you're sitting down. So absolutely. Or if it's a windy day and you don't have a motorized kayak or a pedal kayak, at least. Oh my goodness. Is it a pain? Yeah. Maintaining position is tough on a windy day, especially, you know, uh, my first kayak was uh, my second kayak. I should say was uh, a Jackson Kusa and that thing sat so much higher out of the water than my current kayak. It, on windy days, man, it was, it was a struggle to, to maintain position. And then I'd, I'd go by these guys in big bass boats and they're hardly moving. And I'm like, Oh, that'd be so nice. <laughs> and there's definitely times when, especially out on the river, when I, you know, now I have a pedal kayak, so I can at least cover pretty good amount of water, but uh, there's times where um, I'm way down river and I'm like, man, I got to, paddle or pedal the whole way back up there and it would be so nice to drop a motor in the water and just you know burn my way back up there so i could see where that would be uh definitely a big difference in uh you know the amount of water you can cover or you know there's spots um you know for me i have to kind of be a little tactical about where i put in on the river uh you know so that i don't have to paddle the whole way across the river to get to a different spot you know and and you just have to be a little bit. And I think I don't know about you, but it forces me to to work the water in front of me a little more thoroughly, knowing that I can't just pick up and run uh, to a different spot if I want to. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. You got to be a little more strategic, I guess you could say. And um, um, I was curious, like you know, I, I know we talked a little bit about electronics. Um, are you mostly using your electronics for depth, finding bait, um, or bottom structure, that kind of thing? Yep, uh, a little bit of all of that, actually. Um, I don't have anything crazy fancy like live scope or anything like that. I just have uh, hummingbirds with down and side scan. And that's all you really need. You don't need to spend the four grand on the live scope or for that whole setup. I'm sure it helps tremendously, but you don't need it. The The structure is the main thing you want to find. And then like that being grass, wood, rock, anything down there that they can relate to. Or um, bait, of course, too. As long as it shows you that, that's, that's all you need. Right, right. And then, um, uh, again, I, I, I sometimes sometime get jealous of of seeing you know some of the pictures that you see online from the live scope and stuff 
Um, you know, it, it definitely seems cool. And, but I think, you know, there's a different, a big difference from, um, I think what it would help is to at least show you that, yes, there's fish there, you know, mm -hmm. but still you have to figure out what those fish want. And just cause you know, they're there doesn't mean you're going to catch them. Yeah. You know? exactly. But, uh, um, I'm, I'm always curious the whole tackle box and not have them react to nothing. Exactly. Exactly. So unless you're throwing in there exactly what they want on that given day, just, just knowing they're there doesn't mean anything. But, um, I think, um, I, um, I, I, if anything, I'm always curious, you know, I wonder how many fish are here that I just am not seeing, you know, and there's, there's times out on the river when it's, uh, like crystal clear water and you can actually see the bottom. And then I do kind of, you're like, Holy cow, there's way more fish here than I was expecting, you know, and then sometimes it's even more frustrating then because you're like, well, I know they're here. And now, now I just have no clue why they're not biting, you know, at least I could, you know, when I didn't know they weren't there, I could just say, oh, you know, maybe there's no fish here, but <laughs> when you know they're there and then you, they're still not biting, it's, that kind of adds a different level of frustration. That's for sure. So, um, I was curious when you, you mentioned about, um, kind of getting used to fishing deep, um, you know, I obviously, you know, you said you started out with a jig and that was, you know, just, you know, kind of probably dragging that across the bottom. What, uh, what, how did you kind of develop your confidence in those other techniques and what, like what other techniques do you use when the, when you're out fishing deep? Uh, a little bit of everything. I'll, I'll even do as goofy as throwing a, a weightless Senko in 25, 30 foot of water. Now that's a heck of a fall. And on a windy day, you, you can't really do something like that. It's almost impossible then, but um, that's something I will dabble with even too. And especially with a wacky rig, that just gives it so much time in the strike zone and so much time for them to look at it. But I was going to um, say, if you can go a weightless wacky in 25 feet of water, you're a patient man. <laughs> yep. But um, I'll, I'll do a lot of things with that, like swim baits and stuff. And the big thing that helped me the most with it, now, you'd have, especially with lighter stuff, you really have to wait and really have a decently sensitive rod to feel that bottom contact with such a light weight. But I even got it with like quarter ounce weights that I can feel it dragging along the rocks good enough. And as long as I'm keeping that little bit of bottom contact, I felt like that kept me concentrated enough on the lure to just pay attention to what it was doing the whole time and i don't know that's that's just what helped me the most with fishing deep i guess okay and of I was... course the heavier weights weighted stuff's even easier and that's what i was gonna just ask i was gonna say you know you mentioned the like one ounce spinner baits and stuff um i'm almost wondering if you know for those people like, uh, even I, I would still consider myself, a, a much better shallow water angler than, uh, than a deep water, uh, than going out deep. Um, but, uh, like I was curious if, if maybe starting out heavier, you know, and then working my way lighter would be a, a good tactic to kind of get more comfort out there. Definitely. Definitely. Um, especially if you want, if you're not used to fishing deep water and you want to go out and start like especially summer and maybe even into now is probably your best time to fish that 25 30 foot range where the fish are really going to start keying in that more of a depth um you could go out there and throw like a like a big one ounce spinner bait or a crankbait that dredges the bottom in in that kind of a depth something that you're not necessarily going to get stuck on and then just frustrate yourself more at least those you can kind of more feather around through stuff and deflect off of stuff. And then just getting confidence and feeling what that lure's doing down there. I think anybody who wants to start doing that, that's going to help the most. Um, what, what crankbaits do you throw that run that deep? That seems uh, like a pretty deep for cranking. Um, so I'll use, now this isn't quite 30 foot, but I'll use the Rapala DT series. Mm -hmm. in the the 20 foot divers okay um there's a couple that go to 25 foot one's a, a nomad design they have a, a crankbait out that i forget what the heck the the actual name is but they have a, a 24 foot diver that i've been using a lot more this year and then um there's this older one 
it's called a, a bash star i believe they actually discontinued it but this was one of my absolute favorites it was like a clear sexy shag color and that went to 25 foot okay and um when you're cranking that deep is it uh as i know uh, when you're starting to try and maximize the the depth on your crankbaits um you got to really you know tweak your line selection and stuff right because um, mm -hmm. that makes a big difference on how how deep so if if you're looking to go as deep as you possibly can what's what's your line setup like um typically i won't crank on uh anything more than 12 pound okay um 10 pound especially if i'm really trying to get deep is more ideal but i also don't like sometimes 10 pounds can kind of screw you especially with I'm kind of a dingus with fighting and fish and just rip them in sometimes. <laughs> so, well, and when you get excited, if you have a nice oh, fish yeah. on, sometimes you just want to get it in there as fast as you can. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, especially with making content, I'm all for trying to get that fish in as fast as I can. No, so that, I can show everybody. That and makes sometimes sense. It, I, it doesn't work out the best. And um, are you straight fluoro or you do uh, braid to leader uh, at all? Or what's, what's your setup there? All fluoro. All floral. Okay. Yep. Do you, uh, do you do braid the leader on anything or, um, um, on some of my spinning rod setups, especially my kayak ones, I'll do that with, um, and I like doing that with drop shot, anything real light that I want to use on my spinning rods. I like that with just gives more sensitivity, but typically on all my bait casters, I'm, I'm all floral except for like frogging or flipping heavy stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. So umbrella rigs and everything, it's all floral. Yep. Uh, umbrella rigs. I throw on some pipe to call me ballsy, but I'll throw it on 17 pound cigar or 20 pound cigar most of the time. Okay. Okay. You know, that's, I was curious about that. Like, and you know, cause uh, the few times that I've thrown it, uh, I felt like I was just wearing my arm out, you know? So, you know, I, I was throwing it on a heavy rod. Do you throw yours on a heavy or yeah. I have, so I throw it on, I have two setups that I kind of switch it out here and there. The one I use the most is a, a 7.6 medium heavy, but it's got a lot stiffer backbone than most medium heavies, and it's got a real nice soft tip. Um, it goes from, I think, one quarter to three ounce. So it's it's got a huge range. For, I was going to say, what, that, that... like that that doesn't sound like a medium heavy weight range to me, but uh, I guess if it has the backbone to do it. Yeah. And, uh, the, the tip I really like on that rod with using the Alabama rig because most of the time when they jack it up, the tip just completely lets loose and they're there most of the time. Hmm. And what, who makes that rod? Uh, that's an Enigma phenom. I, th I thought you were, I thought you were Enigma based. Uh, I thought you threw a lot of Enigma stuff. I thought yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, one of the companies that I'm sponsored by, so I thought I so. Primarily use most of their stuff. Okay, and um, I'll, I'll have to get that specific rod from you then, and we'll put that in the show notes too, because um, yeah, definitely interested in maybe checking that out for sure. Um, do you have a, a reel? Uh, any reels that you kind of uh, stick to, or kind of spread that around? That's a a little bit of everything. Um, Enigma makes some reels. I have a couple of them. Uh, I'm a big Shimano guy. I love Shimanos. I have a couple Corados and Shimano cores, and then the, the Japanese version of the Corado, the Sh Scorpion. Yep. Um, and then I also like Daiwas. Okay. Yeah, we have uh, on one of our other uh, the shows on this podcast, uh, um, the final cast. They do um, uh, re reviews of different. Uh, they're more of a kind of reviewed uh, product review uh, site and or show. And um, the one host on that show, we call him uh, the JDM guy. Cause he loves the uh, all the Japanese stuff. And uh, so we've heard, heard a lot about the scorpions and the MGLs and, you know, it's, but uh, it's definitely cool. Cause you know, it, they are readily available to us with, you mm -hmm. know, like eBay and stuff like that. So um, knowing that there's options out there that, you know, a lot of uh, kind of, uh u.s anglers don't know about is is kind of cool so definitely i'm you know thankful for them for turning me on to that stuff because uh, i've started to you know pick up a few of those reels and uh really like them so yeah and they're they're definitely worth it they some of them may cost uh, a, a little more but 
my goodness, I've had my Scorpion for, shoot, maybe six years now, and it still feels just like the day I bought it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it beat hard. (laughs) Right. I was going to say, you know, that they are sometimes more expensive, but they last like crazy. Like Mm -hmm. I, I've, I've gone the cheap route. I've bought the, the really cheap, uh, uh, baitcasters and just, you know, after a year they're trash, you know, and you know, they're, you know, definitely not as smooth as they were. And, you know, whereas the, the Shimano stuff or the, the slightly higher end stuff. Now I don't, I don't have anything crazy. Um, but even just, I can tell just spending a little bit more for the stuff that I've got, uh, it, it really makes a huge difference in how long it lasts and, you know, how reliable it is. Oh, absolutely. And even, even good companies like, I guess you could say Luz and Shimano and Daiwa, some of their, I guess you could say more mid-range reels, they're still plenty up to par. They they last. They, they make good quality stuff. It's not like, I'm sorry if anybody uses Abu Garcia, but it's not like <laughs> a cheaper Abu Garcia or even a cheaper Quantum where it kind of poops out on you within a year of hard fishing. Yeah, no, and as much, and and I know um, Abu gets a lot of hate uh, at times, but I started with a Black Max combo that I bought on Amazon. That That, that was was one of my first two. (laughs) And and that thing for for as much crap as it gets, it lasted me, you know, I I beat that crap out of that rod and, or that reel. And it, I, uh, it worked fine up until the day I lost it, you know, and uh, I had a cranking setup, just get, uh, yanked off the the deck of my kayak and uh, yeah, it went down with the ship. But uh, uh, for all the hate that it gets, I always think fondly back on that Black Max because it it was uh, what got got me started with baitcasters. So I can't. I guess I can't throw too much hate at Abu. I have the you no. Know, it's a little one of their more higher end ones, but they have uh, the Revo winch. I was going to say the Revo. Yep. The Revo Uh, series, I think are, are a little bit of a a step up. So definitely. And this, I haven't found a a better crankbait reel yet. It's a, it's a five, four to one. And I think at at the time it might've been around the $250 reel, but my goodness, it's perfect for cranking, especially in cold water because it it really helps you slow down. Yeah, that's, you know, they always say, you know, you you know, you can always slow down your, slow down your retrieve on the faster reels, but you know, there's something to be said about having one that you don't even really have to think about it. You just know that, you know, you're not going to over crank it too much. Whereas, you know, you start getting up into the, the seven to one gear ratios for a crank and bait rod and you really got to concentrate on slowing your retrieve down. Absolutely. And even some of them, you, I mean, depending on on which ones, you can't even slow down quite enough sometimes to get them to bite. Um, sometimes that little bit of extra real pull that it has, or that the spool spin, I guess you could say turning mm-hmm. it, uh, it goes, it's still going too fast to, to get them to really act like they want it to. Right. Oh, and to, to get the bait to at least have its natural wobble where it's mm-hmm. not really looking like out of place down there, you know? Um, yeah, for crank cold water stuff i mean fish aren't moving really fast so something zipping by them isn't, isn't going to look too natural well and that's why i i think in, in cold water i've i've definitely learned um uh, like you said the flat-sided crankbaits seem to have a, a little bit better action or something that's a little more accustomed to what they're looking for right now and then um Matt Gibson, who's uh, been a guest on our show a few times, really got me into balsa crankbaits. And, um, you know, he sold me on balsa crankbaits in the cold water. And it wasn't until I, I really started playing around with them. And and uh, he actually sent me a few and I started using them. And that's actually last year on Muddy Run was the, the first thing that I actually had success with at Muddy Run with was this was a balsa crankbait. So um i was definitely thankful that he kind of clued me in on that because um i otherwise i wouldn't have had a clue i was like i i didn't i had never picked up uh you know much of the balsa stuff up to that point and uh i was really surprised you know how well it did uh, especially in the cold water Mm -hmm. because i always uh was under the belief that 
you know, once it turned cold, you're going to be either throwing a blade bait or a spoon or, um, you know, that they wouldn't hit those, you know, super reaction baits anymore. But the, but the balsa crankbait definitely uh, kind of filled that gap for me and helped me uh, get a little bit more cold water confidence. Not that it's an easy time of year to fish, but, uh, you know, catching something's better than catching nothing. Oh, absolutely. And some, uh, sometimes those balsa wood crankbaits, I mean, like I was saying about the, the Apollos earlier, they're, they're a balsa crankbait. Mm-hmm. And you can really mess with the retrieve with them and do like stop and go stuff where they kind of float back up and then go just back gonna, into it. Yep. Almost, almost like a suspending jerkbait. They have, yep. they have a suspending ability to them that, that is really key. And I, I've started noticing that works really well, even on the river. Like if I'm um, cranking and grinding bottom, grinding bottom, then I'll just pause and let it hang out there for like a second. And a lot of times that's a, that's a really good tactic on, on the river, at least for me in the kayak. So. Oh yeah. Uh, even, even on the lakes, Marburg, uh, I do that a lot with uh, the riprap out there. I'll, I'll feather it around through the rocks and then I'll feel it grinding along the bottom for a couple and I might feel it semi hang up and then I'll just let it kind of float back up. And a, a lot of times that's when I'll end up getting a bite too. Yep. That's when they freight train it for sure. Um, that's make them go, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yep. Um, any other baits that you're going to go to now? Um, uh, so we talked a little bit, we talked about the jerk bait. Um, what's your, uh, what's your jerk bait that you go to, uh, go for, um, you a vision one ten guy or you. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, that hands down. So I'm not a huge jerk bait guy. It's, it's something I kind of struggle with a little bit. But when I catch them, it's it's always on a Vision 110. I've n- never caught another fish on any other jerkbait other than a Vision 110. <laughs> okay, I've I've had a little bit of luck with the pointers, and um, uh, I have the, tons of them, but I just I don't I don't know if it's me or. Yeah, no, it's I I I, I struggle with jerkbait fishing too, and um, I always am. I feel like I'm not I'm not working it correct, or or I'm not covering water enough, or. I'm just, uh, it's just not a, definitely not a confidence bait for me. Um, how about, uh, finesse stuff? Do you, I know you, you mentioned Ned rig, uh, do you do uh, drop shotting at all or. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I love drop shotting. I, uh, I was going to say, I thought I saw some videos that you've done on that. I do that, uh, a lot through the spring and summer. I don't break it out as much this time of year unless I absolutely have to. Most of the time I'm just going for like big bites this time of year so i'm chucking a giant swim bait or the bama rig or if i really feel like downsizing i'll throw like a blade bait or something or a little bitty swim bait but that's typically what my that's my go-to's are this time of year and spinner bait of course gotcha gotcha um and uh, any particular spinner bait that you're fond of uh uh the hog collar I I love the their light wire spinner baits. Okay, they have such a especially with that bigger one ounce one. They have such a light wire. I feel between that and that bigger blade, it like thumps so hard, and you and can that, feel that the whole time you're reeling it in. And you know the instant it stops thumping, that you're you're in business. Yep. All right. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Um. Um, any challenges when you're fishing, trying to catch fish on video? What's, what's your biggest challenge with that? (laughs) The camera's dying. (laughs) I've had so many times where I've set the hook onto a good fish or something. And then the camera dies. Like just my, my one last video I did on the river. I, my camera died on me like four times on this one fish and I tried to turn it back on every single time while trying to fight this fish and get it in. And finally I just gave up with it and left it alone and then turned it back on once I got it in, but all kinds of stupid stuff like that. And when it's cold out, they really tend to act up with the batteries. Uh, and, and, and that's kind of the last thing when you get a huge fish on, 
that the last thing you want to worry about is your camera. But when you're trying to capture that content to to put it out there, you know, that's also an important thing. So yeah. <laughs> I've just just started to dabble in um, kind of videoing some of my stuff. I, I picked up a GoPro from a buddy and, um, you know, I just the you know, the time it takes to edit the video. And like I said, you know, I can just see from, you know, uh, kind of from when I first started watching you to, to your latest content, you know, that you're, you know, you've definitely, you know, put in some work on that, you know, and uh, I'm sure that's a bit of a learning uh, curve there. You know, there's, there's so much to learn, you know, when it comes to video editing and, you know, and uh, it's definitely, you know, a time consuming thing. I'm sure I, you know, Oh, for sure. It's, it's hard to work it all in with work and, trying to make a life and everything at the same time and then also trying to get out there and get the content between work and everything else that's going on it's, right it's, it's not easy and it takes a lot of time but it's it's definitely fun and like you said there's there's still so much left to learn too i'm nowhere near where i guess i say i want my videos to be but um it's amazing seeing how far they've come. I kind of look back at some of my more beginning videos now and kind of cringe. <laughs> hey, everybody starts somewhere, man. And uh, <laughs> I, if it makes you feel any better, where you were then is where I am right now. So I, <laughs> I have a much further road to travel, but um, uh, I know I, I definitely know the challenge. I'm, um, but I imagine it's like me on this podcast. Um, you know, I've learned so much from doing this podcast and talking to different people, different strategies. And, you know, it's, it's just been an excellent source of learning for me. And, and uh, they always say, you know, the best way to learn something is to, you know, be able to talk to somebody else about it or uh, teach somebody else. So I, I feel like if I can get to the point where I, I know enough about it that I can, you know, speak intelligently about it, then, I'll, I'll have learned, you know, more than I would have otherwise. So. Oh, absolutely. And then everybody does everything a little bit different too. So they may be looking at a different way than, than you. So that's, that's always a big help. No, for sure. And, and that was, that was one of the hardest lessons for me to learn uh, right off the bat was that, you know, just because you see somebody on YouTube doing something one way doesn't mean that you're going to go out and catch fish the exact same way because they might be a completely different angler than you are there. You know, your strength might not be their strengths or, and, and let alone just the, you know, uh, you know, I watched a ton of tactical bass in at first and, you know, they're fishing the California Delta, which is not the Susquehanna river. It is, they are no. two completely different fisheries, obviously, you know, fish are fish and some things are going to work kind of universally, but um, there's definitely things that, play well in the California Delta that aren't going to do as well on the Susquehanna river. So. Absolutely. And especially growing up liking bass fishing and watching all this stuff and seeing all this, I'm sure, you know, from fishing Marburg, you go out there and try to listen to something that somebody says or breaks down in a video or whatever. And it's like, huh, none of this works. Yeah. No, it I doesn't work like they're saying it should. I mean, oh, yeah. you might have success one or two days here, there, doing something like what they said, but chances are kind of rare at that most of the time. You're doing something a little bit different, or the fish and the weather may be telling you to do one thing, and the fish are actually on a completely different thing that doesn't even make sense for the, the kind of conditions that you got. And that I think was one of the coolest things about bass fishing is when you kind of put that puzzle together and, you know, you, and when you all of a sudden figure it out and bam, you just start, you know, really lighting into them. And that's, that's when I really, you know, for all the, the, the days where bass fishing humbles me and I'm like, I got no clue what I'm doing. Uh, I, I feel like uh, there's definitely days where I'm like, holy crap, I, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I'm so frustrated. But then for those, you know, those days when, you know, you do figure it out and you just have a great day out on the water that totally makes it worth it, you know? Oh, for sure. I've been, uh, I've kind of been spoiled most of the year. Now I'm being pretty humbled right now. The last, like, I think four or five times I've went out, I, have, I haven't gotten a freaking fish. The two or three of the times I've had bites, but didn't get them into the boat or anything. And so 
I guess you could say now I'm on a little bit of a dry spell. And 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 how does that go with your video content? Do you do you, I know you know obviously I've seen you catch a ton of fish, and um, you know is it do you find yourself not wanting to show that side of it, um, or uh, you know are you not worried about that as much? Because I mean that's as much a part of fishing, you know. For uh, I think they're you know if someone's just coming into this sport and they go and watch certain YouTube videos, they're going to assume, well, I'm just going to go out there and I'll just start catching fish. And, you know, you know, a, a majority of fishing isn't always like that, you know? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. It's, I haven't posted anywhere. I haven't caught any yet, but I have noticed that sometimes the videos where I don't catch a ton do do pretty well or do better than I thought they would. Um, but I try to get stuff with fish in it just because I feel like it's more interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. But I have been wanting to work in more stuff like that and maybe it for like a learning curve for people to see that, yeah, it's not always like this. But even though I didn't catch anything, at least I can say what I was doing throughout the day and kind of give them at least a little info of what to try and what to do, what right. should have worked. Right. Or, you know, how long do I stay trying this one thing before I, you know, try and switch up tactics or, mm-hmm. or I, I notice this kind of situation happening, like the wind picks up. So I'm going to go to the windblown side of the lake, you know, or, or something like that, you know, you know, that I think the learning aspect of that is, is kind of worth more sometimes than seeing a big fish catch, you know, not that oh, it, everybody loves seeing the big fish catch. That's obviously why probably people start watching in the first place. But um, when you can um, teach that, that kind of thing that helps you figure out the puzzle, I think that's almost worth more in the end, but I can see where it's tough to, to put out content where it might not be as exciting as, as uh, you know, the landing a huge fish. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's, I guess you could say the biggest struggle with it because it's it's like i don't want to put something out because especially youtube man people are freaking weird and they'll they'll unsub for the weirdest reasons or whatever and it's it's frustrating i don't want to say i'm I'm wanting to be a millionaire off of it because i don't know if that'll ever happen or anything but i do want to get my videos out there to more people to try to help them and it would be nice to be able to fish all the time for a living yeah that 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 would be the dream i guess you could say but um it's it's hard to figure out what people want when they don't tell you and then uh, i know i've i've talked to quite a few um uh youtubers before and they one of the things that is common almost uh, among every one of them is they'll say I'll do a video I think is amazing and it'll get like hardly any views at all. And then I'll just throw out something thinking, ah, I just got to get something out there. And all of a sudden it'll, that'll be one of the best videos, you know, that on my channel, you know, something I expected to not to do anything will get, you know, way more likes. And then something I pour tons of time into pour my heart into and, and like hardly any view, it gets hardly any views. So 100%. Like all the time with with some of mine, like some of my absolute best, in, in my opinion, best put together videos and most professional seeming videos where I absolutely like went through everything possible I could have went through, did it whole vlog style, had great transitions, all that. And it's like hardly anybody watched it, hardly anybody looked at it. And like the thumbnail was great and all that. But then I have one where I caught like one or two fish weren't even that giant or anything. I said maybe one or two things and everybody's commenting on it and liking it and going like, oh, thanks for all the tips and all that. Like, I didn't even give that many in this one. <laughs> I gave twice as many in the last one and you guys didn't comment on it. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I can't tell you how many times I've heard that, that exact same <laughs> sentiment. So uh don't uh, I, uh, if it, it makes you feel any better, almost every uh, person I've talked that's a, a YouTube personality says exactly the same thing. So <laughs> it's definitely a common theme. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely weird. 
All right, man. Well, um, we're closing in on an hour. So uh, I, I definitely, you know, appreciate your time and, you know, definitely some good tips. I, I'm looking forward now to, to try and Marburg again. I've uh, got to, you know, just break my curse on that lake. I don't know what it is about it, but uh, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to trying some things out there and um, looking forward to trying a little offshore. I, I just got to up my game there a little bit and uh, get out deep a little bit and see what works. So. Um, but, uh, that being said, I wanted to give a chance to, for you to, uh, shout out a, where folks can find you on YouTube. Cause that's how I found you. And then any other social media that you have. Yeah. Uh, so you guys can find me on uh, YouTube at Bassin and up Moffat fishing. Um, I have, I think well over a hundred videos now on there about all kinds of different stuff, fishing all over the place around here in Pennsylvania. Um, even a little bit in Maryland. And I also have a Facebook page for Bassin and Up Moffat, same thing, uh, a TikTok and an Instagram, all at Bassin and Up Moffat. How's your TikTok going? Is it, uh, or is that, uh, that seems like a challenge. It's good. It's entirely different game. I've, it's, it's, yeah, it's different. I, I've had some really take off and go viral and others, like we said with the YouTube thing, almost not do anything hardly at all and it's the weirdest stuff that ends up going viral or gotcha. like the really short ones too right right no and then uh that's the one thing uh uh one of the gentlemen that was used to be on our podcast his wife was uh uh did a lot of social media stuff and she, i was crazy the you know what she was telling me that some of her she she was able to kind of switch to make a full-time living off of it and like she makes the most off of those little like 15 second shorts that you know i'm like she's like i i put up two 15 second videos a week and i'm good i'm like holy cow that's how you make a living right there <laughs> that might be nice <laughs> but um um how about uh sponsors who who helps you get things done um my two sponsors right now are uh enigma fishing and wu tungsten uh, Enigma is like all the rods that I use. Um, they also make some pretty nice reels and you can find them at enigmafishing.com. And I also use Wu Tungsten weights. They make, um, Tungsten bullet weights, drop shot weights, nail weights, Ned heads, um, and even some regular jig heads as well. Um, I have all kinds of stuff on there and you can find them at wutungsten.com. Awesome, man. Well, uh, I'll definitely, uh, guys, uh, listeners, um, check out the show notes. I'll include the links to the sponsors in there and I'll also um, include links to some of the um, baits that we've talked about. We'll have the umbrella flash mob on there. We'll talk, I'll put the nomad crankbait in there, the hog collar and some of the other baits that were mentioned. So make sure you check out the show notes for that stuff. And um, uh, I think that's about it, man. Anything, Hunter, anything else you want to add or um, anything else, uh, for the folks at home? That pretty much it. Um, if you guys do find the channel, I guess, from this podcast, uh, let me know, leave a comment on one of the videos. That'd be pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we'll at least help you pick up a few subscribers. I know, uh, we have a half decent subscriber base. So guys definitely go out, check out Hunter, um, and his YouTube channel on, uh, Facebook or on YouTube, uh, Bassin it up Moffat. And, uh, we'll include show, uh, include that in the show notes as well. So, um, thanks again, man. Uh, it was a pre pleasure having you on and, um, we'll have to have you on again, man. Uh, maybe I can uh, rehash some good Marburg stories once I figure that lake out. So absolutely thanks a lot for having me it's been fun all right dude all right guys well thanks again for watching this has been another episode of bass fishing for noobs where we bring you the trip the tick bah i screwed it up the <laughs> where we bring you the tricks the tips and the techniques to help you rip more lifts have a good night guys thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on paddle and finn be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin.com. 
Don't forget to check out the website, paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures. Your Midwest premier paddle sports destination. Go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina, the beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. And Jigmasters Jigs, when in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today.